went to a cross, not only for the sake of the world, but that being every individual in it. That means every person in this room. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus' love sent him to a cross for you. That must mean you're pretty important and pretty special. I, you know what I find is that oftentimes we as humans have a really hard time believing that. It's like those other people. God loves them and wants to do something with them. He loves you. There, there are no favorites in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know that God also has no grandchildren? Think that one through. He has no grandchildren. And every single one of his kids, he, I, I don't know if he loves them equally. Now, don't throw stones at me. I don't know if he loves... I, 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 I love my, both my boys in different ways because of who they are. That's not to say, like, maybe equal is, is, a, is a good way of saying it, but it's like I love Peter, and I've got a love that's only for, it's uniquely for Peter. It's, a, it's an appreciation of who he is. And then John David is so different in my, he loves you with more love uniquely. That's just for you. It's like a love room designed just for you. And living in that love room is what sets your heart on fire to do his, his will. You know, so many of us look at doing his will as like this onerous thing that I've got to serve God and be a good Christian. That's never been the, the desire and the plan of God, that you just like struggle through doing the will of God. He wants you to live in fellowship with him where you receive love from him and intimacy and experience him by his spirit. Some of you don't know at all what I'm talking about, but stick around here long enough. You'll start to catch on. You experience him. Not just hear about him and have mental information about him. Experience him. I'll talk about it in a few minutes. And that experience of just being with him it causes you to want to do the things that he wants. It's kind of like you hang around Minda. I hang around Minda, and I start getting an idea of what she likes, and, what, and, and it starts to rub off on me. You guys know what I'm talking about? Spend time with the person, and they start to impact you. Spend time with God, and it will begin to impact you. So I'm going to be talking in the next couple minutes about uh, what I would consider kind of getting back to just simple, simple, simple core vision what we're becoming, just speaking into the atmosphere, who it is that we're called to be, what we're called to do. But I hope it's, it's, it can be received on the premise of this is not stuff that we have to go do. It's first and foremost stuff that we, re- it's, it's receiving from a God who loves us in the way that I've been describing. And as we do, this is what he does. And so the goal is, is at Border City Church, we're a church who, who is now and who is progressively becoming a church who simply are doing what Jesus does. And again, not doing it so that we can tick the box and say we've done it. As we encounter him, we become like him. We start wanting what he wants. And out of that, we start doing what he does. So uh, here's the basic idea, is that the cross that Jesus went to, that demonstrates the ultimate heart of God. You're not going to find anything that demonstrates what God's really about apart from the cross. In other words, and what is that? That is giving up everything, sacrificing everything for the sake of people coming, being restored into relationship with him. That's it. That's the heart of God. He would give everything to restore us 
into relationship and out of that relationship that we discover who we are and, and receive, can I say, an inheritance from the Father. And what does Jesus do? We start doing what he does. What does Jesus do? Jesus made disciples. And he did that by the anointing or the uh, power of the Holy Spirit. Can I, can I say something radical to you this morning? Again, you, you, there may be something operating in your think tank that does not want to receive that or struggles to receive what I'm about to tell you. You're called, you really are called to live in the authority and leading of God's Holy Spirit in the same way that Jesus lived under the authority and leading of God's Holy Spirit. It may look different for you the way it is for me. None of us are the full expression of Jesus. But if you can take this simple truth that God's Spirit is upon you and you can learn to flow with that Holy Spirit and to live and to receive communication from heaven through that Spirit, including the love of God and whatever he leads you to do, you're anointed by the Holy Spirit. So that may seem like this lofty thing and, oh, I can never be. No, you can be. It just may look different for you. You follow? So the goal of, uh, is, to be, is to be doing what Jesus did. And so go, let's go back to that first thing. The cross demonstrates the ultimate purpose of Jesus, the restoration of mankind. So if you can flip with me to uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Historically, this is perhaps the most quoted scripture. I knew it by heart before I even knew Jesus. John 3.16, you see it at baseball games on signs and here and there, but it is, it's, it's hard to come up with words that would better reflect God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I just want to put this into context that God set it up in such a way that when Jesus went to the cross, he was demonstrating the ultimate picture of the heart of God and that God set it up so that he sent his son so that when Jesus went to the cross and bore the cross, bore the weight of that cross, ultimately was actually crucified, nails being driven through his flesh to pound him into a cross, that in that moment, God's spirit would depart from Jesus and that Jesus would know the ultimate end and uh, result of sin, despite the fact that he had never sinned before. The ultimate end and result of sin is separation between God and man, fellowship. A thing that Jesus had experienced up to that point, like no man had, except when he gets to the cross, he utters these words, Lama, I mean, Elohi, Elohi, Lama Sabachthani, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where did you go? And in that moment, God the Father had to experience the utter pain of turning his back on his son whom he loved when his son needed him most, that God the Father would experience the pain like he couldn't ever. In no way could he experience it. I can't imagine if my son, Peter, my precious firstborn son, not that you're not important, John, my secondborn son, 
If I had to see Peter, I would, I would die. Literally, I would die to in some way help my, my son if he was doing that same thing. And God set it up so that he would voluntarily have to do the thing that was most painful for him and so that his son simultaneously would do the thing that's most painful for him so that both of them would, full, would bear the full weight of the punishment that you and I deserved. That's the heart of God. That that. Who set it up, by the way, that Jesus had to go to a cross? Who made that rule that that's the way that sin had to be paid for? God himself did. Why? Because he wanted, because the very thing that got us into trouble in the first place in the garden when sin started was a lie coming into the heart of a man that said you can't really trust God. And underneath that, though the serpent didn't say these words, what he was really saying is God doesn't really love you. And at the cross, God made a testimony to forever testify to all who hear the gospel, God couldn't love you anymore. I will do anything for your salvation. Which leads us to the next point is why did the deity, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, why, why did they set it up this way? Why? Why did he go to the cross? It's one thing that we hear about that love, but what, why, why the cross? Why, what did it do? What did it accomplish? Here's the issue, that we would become, have way through faith. Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, what? Believes. Did it say that whoever believes things about him? For 18 years, I believed stuff about Jesus. I believed that he was the son of God. I believed that he died for my sins. I believed that he rose from the dead. I believed these things because I heard in some Sunday school that that's what he did, and I grew up in America, so that's what you believe, right? That didn't save me. That he believes in him, which, as my friend Mickey says, you can't have faith without trust. Believing in him is something that happens where the eyes of your heart are opened and you see him for who he is and he calls us to follow him. That's believing. Not just saying, Jesus, you died for my sins, hallelujah. It's placing your hands, I mean your life, into his hands. Those who believe him will be born again. That is why Jesus went to a cross, that, that we could become reborn so that we would have fellowship as children of God, with God, the Father, the same way that he has fellowship with his Father. Now, why am I saying this? I know some of you know this very well. Some of you experience this very well. I'm wanting to remind us, as we're going to get along, why we're here on this earth. Because you see, the moment I was born again, I, was, I, I had access again to spiritual fellowship with my, with my Father, with God the Father as a senior in high school, 17, 18 years old. But if there was no, I might as well have gone to heaven then, right? If it was just so that I could have relationship with him. But the reason he keeps his church on the earth is to see this thing that we're talking about, this love and this mission perpetuated so that everybody has the opportunity to, be, to experience what Jesus purchased at the cross. So we'll get there. Why, we, why did he do this? To be reborn into fellowship with God. Well, you turn with me earlier into that same chapter, John, in John chapter 3, and we'll start in the third verse, and then we'll read a couple more verses. But it says this, Jesus 
reply. Jesus is talking to this guy named Nicodemus. I love this story, by the way. Nicodemus is like this teacher. He's a, what you call a scribe, or was he a lawyer? I can't remember. But he's like an authority on the, on the scriptures. And he goes, uh, he, he's hearing Jesus' teachings, and he's like obviously deeply impacted, but he's totally humiliated to ask publicly Jesus to explain more of his teachings because he's supposed to, in the eyes of everyone around him, supposed to be the authority, supposed to know it all. And he kind of goes to Jesus at night, and he's like, so what? Uh, what did you mean by this thing? And Jesus starts messing him, him up. He says uh, that you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, hmm, uh, what do you mean by that? Do you, I need to, like, go back into my mom and get born again? And, like, you know, that's, it's like, repulsive. And, and then the third verse, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of, the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So let's look at this. Two things there. Kingdom of God, born again. See the kingdom of God. Jesus is there saying that the purpose and the fruit of being born again is that people would actually be able to see into this realm called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, the king's domain. In other words, the realm of heaven, right? And when earth had originally been created, it was in perfect symmetry and connection with this kingdom of heaven. Sin is what cut off this earth from that realm. And he's saying that now through what he's doing and what he's come to do is to create, again, access in this earth to that kingdom. Now, some of us get confused and we think that Jesus has been called to bring the kingdom to completely overtake the earth. And that's not ever going to happen. Why? Because because of sin, Satan has become the god of this world, says Paul in 1 Corinthians. The, the, the prince of the power of the air. And eventually this earth is going to be done away with and a new heaven, a new earth will be set up. And until that happens, the kingdom of God can come into this realm of darkness. Are we understanding? So like me, I was born in a Christian home, but I didn't know Jesus until the age of 17. And when I met Jesus, the eyes of my heart were opened up and I saw something of the king. I, I don't know how to explain. I didn't see him with my physical eyes. I saw him, like the penny dropping, the eye, the, uh, uh, a veil being lifted from my heart, and I saw him. I understood him, not just information about him. I saw him, just like I'm seeing Sharon, the, 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 the actual person. It's, it's the, the image, the expression. It's who he is, and I saw him. And I'll give you another example. I can remember this. Uh, just to, to give you an idea of what we were talking about, seeing the kingdom of heaven. I can remember later, maybe two years after I met Jesus, I can remember being in a church service, and um, it was, Minda was actually leading worship. This is before we were married. And uh, we had a guest speaker. This is down when I was in college, uh, the Bill and Janie Grind. They were there for the weekend, and, and the music, we just, I don't even remember what songs we were singing, but all I can tell you is, as we were singing, I, I actually saw a picture in my heart of Jesus on a cross. And I, the only way I can explain it is it was like, in such simple terms, it was just like I, I saw this picture of him on a cross, and I knew I could sense from his spirit him telling me, I did that for you. Now, I had, I had received that two years prior. It's not like I didn't know that, and I even knew it in here, not just here. But I... It's like the Holy Spirit wanted to unveil it to me. And I remember just sensing the reality, the depth of that, of that reality. 
and the presence surrounding me. And I can remember, I mean, I just started weeping and bawling. I mean, I was just, just it, not, not in a bad way, just in a pure, I'm loved, I'm so loved. Like, this is the most wonderful thing. And opening my eyes and seeing, like, I'm probably the only one feeling that on this level. What is that? I mean, some of you can just say, oh, it's just emotions. I, it, it's, I can I'm assure you it's not just emotions. It's the Holy Spirit communicating to a human, a, 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 a channel being formed that had once been cut off of God's truth being received and seen here on this earth by a human being, which is the most precious of entities in all of creation to, to God the Father. So why? What's this thing? It says that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Let me explain this. Because Nicodemus got all messed up. He was like, do I have to, all he knew was the physical, material world. And he's like, do I have to go back into my mom? You and I are made up of three parts. Body, soul, spirit. Say that with me. Body, soul, spirit. Body, soul, spirit. You have a body, right? Say it, in fact, say it this way. Don't say it, but you, we can say it this way. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. This thing here, this is my earth suit. This is the tent in which my spirit dwells. I hate to spook you out, but this thing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to corrupt and go back into the earth from where it came. Right? I know that's a little, little spooky to, to think of it that way, but that's the reality. This is not me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And my spirit is my innermost being. It is the essence of who I am. And God is a spirit. The new covenant did not redeem our soul or our body. It redeemed our spirit. It is because God is a spirit, we have communication with him and communion with him through a spiritual connection. Are you following me? Cows, as much as we love animals, don't have fellowship with God through the spirit. Cows don't have a spirit. Dogs don't have a spirit. Now, I know, I'm stepping on some toes here because some of you are dog lovers. They don't have a spirit. Man, in being made in his image, remember Genesis says that we were made in his image? What does that mean? Does that mean that God is some humongous human shape in the heavens? The way in which we are made in his image is that we, I mean, unlike any of the rest of creation, have a spirit. And we are created to have fellowship with him through that spirit. Sin cut off the connection spiritually to where our spirit had died. We were, without Jesus, walking dead. We only had biotic life. We had a soul, a body, but our spirits were dead to God. Being born again is having placed inside of you a renewal of that spirit where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. God himself lives in you. The essence of who you are is now connected to God. That's what it is. That is what the vision. that when, when it says that Jesus went to a cross for the joy set before him, that's what he was seeing. His sons and daughters populating the earth, being regenerated, revitalized with a spiritual connection with his father with the hope that being led by that spirit, as people follow the spirit, the, the communication of the spirit, that that begins to impact our soul our mind, our will, and emotions. 
to where we begin to think like he thinks, believe like he thinks, feel as he feels, and ultimately through this earth suit that will eventually die, he can live through me and you and express himself again, not just through Jesus, but through the body of Christ. All of those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Are you following? This is the big picture of this, the simple big picture of why we exist here. And we want to build Border City Church in partnership with the other churches in the earth according to that simple heart of God that drove Jesus to a cross. The love of God with an intention of God to create, to make again sons and daughters who would be led by God and receive the spirit of God. And, and which moves us to the next point. The church is the body of Christ. He continues through us what he began doing. At the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke, the author of Acts, says that the, in the first account, O Theophilus, I reported to you all that Jesus began to both do and teach. Say the word began. If you begin something, does it mean you end it? Somebody say it out loud for me. I need to hear some communication here. If you begin something, is it finished? So Jesus began to do and teach until he handed over, this is my words now, the baton over to his 12 and commissioned them. The, the idea is that Jesus began something with the intention that the church continues it and finishes it, that he finishes his work through those who are now sons and daughters with him of the king. We following? So the body of Christ, the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, that term is not just a nice little term that we kind of toss around in church that is literal. We are literally his body. This earth suit that I have, it is now his. And as I follow him and mature in following him, this becomes more and more an expression of him. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You can turn there if you can or want. I'm just going to read that in Ephesians 4, 12 very quickly. You are, Paul says, the body of Christ and members in part. So we are the body of Christ. Each of us make up a different member. Does my shoulder do the same thing that my elbow does? Nope. So is it cool that you don't do the same thing I do? Is it cool if Minda doesn't do the same thing you do? Yeah. So, but as we are following the Spirit, we are fitted together to become a picture of Jesus. Ephesians 4.12, Paul says that he gave, Jesus gave gifts to men, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So the church is the body of Christ, and we continue to do what Jesus did. So, so the love of God compelled everything that Jesus did. We know that that love ultimately did what it did for the sake of, of bringing people into spiritual rebirth, undoing what happened at the fall, regenerating of our spirits so that we can now have fellowship with God, relationship with him, be led by him so that we can continue in this earth to do what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. I love this passage of scripture. Matthew 28. Jesus is ending. This is the grand finale. He is about to ascend into the earth. I mean, excuse me, ascend into the heavens from the earth. He's with his 12. He's giving his last parting words. He hung out with these guys after resurrecting from the dead. 
that would be pretty impactful to, to experience, right? To hang out with Jesus after in resurrected form. I think it was like for 40 days, speaking to them of the things of the kingdom of God. The end of those 40 days is now in this passage of scripture that we're reading now. He says this in verse 18. All authority in heaven and in earth have been given to me. <laughs> they kind of already knew that, but I'm sure when they heard him say it. In other words, all of what the Father has has been entirely conferred upon the Son. All authority over all things. Go, therefore. If I'm going to go as a aside, if I'm going to go, I need to know something of the authority of the one who's sending me. Because when you go on his behalf, you quickly come into contact into conflict with on what authority do I have to do what I'm doing? Who am I to speak on God's behalf? It's the one who said all authority. Not a whole lot. There ain't none that doesn't belong to him. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go therefore. So at this stage we're like, okay, I'm in. Go what? Do what? Go therefore and make Disciples of all nations. That is, if you boil down the ministry of Jesus, and the church today has tried to complicate it, we've tried to make Jesus become what we want him to be, and he's a social activist, or he's a, I don't know, a political... Jesus did this very simply. He, he made disciples. He proclaimed good news of the kingdom of God. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. And anyone who came to faith in him, he taught them and trained them in the kingdom of God. That's it. There it is. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Bring them to the point of receiving me by faith, of belief. And as a sign of that, to baptize. Okay, so the first thing is salvation, evangelism, bringing people to faith. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then part two, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Does that make sense? Which suggests for us, in our relationship with Jesus, he's going to be teaching us things as we follow him. And I can tell you he's taught me some things. Some of you, raise your hand. Has Jesus taught you some things? As you have learned some lessons of the kingdom of heaven working inside of you, and you, receive, you don't just hear it, but you do it, you respond in faith and do it, guess what? You now have authority to teach others how to do that thing. Come out of, uh, as I has been the case with me, I've come out of an addiction to pornography. I've said that often. I, that, that's not theory to me. I'm not just giving biblical scriptures to help somebody. I can talk to somebody who's in that jail cell, and I know the way out of that jail cell because I follow Jesus out of it. Not just some self-help book. Jesus led me out of that, following him. You follow what I'm saying? Whatever he leads you out of, whatever he does in you, whatever you hear his voice say to you and you respond in faith, you then increase your arsenal of what you can give away in discipleship. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and behold, remember what Jesus said about himself at the beginning of this thing? What did he say? All authority in and in have been given to that guy, 
the guy with all authority, he concludes it by saying, and behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. As you go in this commission, the one with all authority stands with you, in you, and around you to enable you to do his will, just like God was in him, around him, and upon him as he did the Father's will. <laughs> That's good news to me. I like that. So what does it look like to proclaim good news to the world? I've got, uh, you know, yesterday, three of us, Mickey, myself, Andrew, went into Detroit Rescue Mission Ministries, visited some men there. We shared, shared about some stuff having to do with sexuality and stuff that he's brought us through, and it was an amazing time, yes? Yeah. Loved it, loved it. Jesus was there. Jesus, Jesus spoke into needs of, of people, and uh, I love it. I love, I love seeing Jesus and using us to talk to people. And, uh, and there were some guys at the end of that that uh, we prayed for to, re- to do exactly what we talked about, to put their faith in Jesus. And there were a couple guys who very sincerely said, yes, I want that, and prayed to receive that, and some other th- really cool things happened. My, uh, f- uh, one of the pastors in the church, uh, Rodney Lloyd, who, as you may know, had surgery this week on his ankle, and that's why Rodney and Nita aren't here. Uh, he's been reaching out in their apartment complex, this guy named Elsie and his wife Sandra. They've come here a couple times. They've been out of church because their experience with church has been that they get judged every time they go to church and they don't feel like they can measure up to the wealth of the people around them and they feel like they're not fitting in or something. And, and so Rodney's been reaching out to this guy, Elsie. And, um, and, uh, and so they've started having coffee together. And over a time, Rodney is sharing faith with Elsie and Elsie is receiving it. That's, that's what this looks like. Love, relationship, and letting what's in you spill out of you. Simple equation. And the Holy Spirit being a part of all of it, right? What does it look like to make disciples? That's, that's like talking to people who don't yet follow Jesus. What about making disciples? My wife, Minda, had some girls, some young ladies, I should say, on her heart. Girls. <laughs> I'm at an age now where a 30-year-old is a girl to me. <laughs> had some young ladies on her heart, and uh, she did kind of like a book club. Uh, it wasn't an official part of Border City Church. It was just friendships, and hey, I want you to come. Come follow me. I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff from Jesus. I think this would help you. Come follow me. And so she started this book club, and the girls loved it. The young ladies loved it. And I think tomorrow you were even involved in that as well. And uh, from that, there's been some relationships that have gone deeper, and I'm not going to name names, but there have been some people who are now like knitting themselves through that into the life of the church. And then they know other people who now they're inviting them into the life of the church. And so people's lives are getting impacted just by taking a step to give away what you have. You may be sitting there and say, but I can't do a book club. I, I don't even what would I, I'm nowhere near doing that. Well, you know what? All you got to do is just make yourself available and see what is right for you. Minda's been at this thing for since birth. <laughs> she was born born again, I think. <laughs> she's been, so so don't feel like you have to it has to look the same way. Minda also has gifts. She's she's gifted to preach and to teach. Your expression doesn't need to look like hers. But if if you if if you've received Jesus, he's inside of you and he loves you and he loves those around you. And he has ways of using little old you just like little old me to impact them.
And then finally, all of this is in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. So I would just say this as we kind of draw to a close. Just a couple quick thoughts. One is that this is about love. This thing of making disciples is not something that you need to do. It's not something, it is something you have to do, but it's not something you have to, you have to go do. It's not something you have, some chore you have to do. Uh, if we do this thing of making disciples out of a sense of duty and chore, the people that we're targeting are going to have the worst impression of Jesus because they're going to feel your, your sense of hating doing what you're doing, which is supposed to be loving them. And it doesn't reflect well when you can tell somebody's supposed to be loving you, but they're hating it. So, so what's the answer to all that? It's connecting deeply with God so that you pick up on his heart which is that other people would connect deeply with him. And in fact, it's actually connection in all ways. It's that you're connecting with God, and he wants to connect with others, so you connect with others, so that they connect with you, so that they, through you, connect with God, and then the God, their, your God becomes their God. Amen. And that they would continue connecting with you and receive discipleship, and now they're sent on mission to connect with others. It's relationship all around, up and down. It's relationship. Connecting with him. You want to make disciples? Start with connecting with Jesus through the Spirit. So it's all about love and it's all about relationship. How do we tap into this thing of fellowship with God? I would just say, toss a couple ideas. One, some of you, and we're not going to go deep into this right now, but, but we've been teaching on the incredible gift of tongues. As the Spirit comes upon us, we receive this amazing gift of tongues. And sometimes we give public tongue, speaking in other tongues for the purpose of being interpreted that it might have a message, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying in tongues, which is another thing that the New Testament teaches where we, it's almost like a kickstarting of communion with God, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it, so, if, it, so if you don't speak in tongues, if you haven't received that, let's pray for you if you, if you want that, but if you have, some of you have received that you are the one who chooses to speak in tongues. So I would suggest choose to do that. Spend time with God in tongues. Does that make sense? In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon you and make you speak in tongues. It's something that you choose to do. But to have fellowship and intimacy with him. Another idea, another thought I would toss in you. As Minda said earlier, prioritize. If you can't come to Deep and Wide every Wednesday, the, the meeting that happens at Min, uh, Mickey's house on Wednesday nights, uh, try to come as much as you can. And we're experiencing something of learning how to connect with the Spirit of God in that place. So I'd encourage that. But then you remember this passage of Scripture that we read earlier? We're going to end with this. John chapter 3. Remember that? It says in verse 4, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter into a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Remember what it means to be born again? Is your body born again? Is your soul born again? Spirit. Water and spirit. Your innermost essence of who you are, born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. No, Nicodemus, you're not getting back into your mother's womb. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We're talking about a spiritual rebirth. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. 
You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. Listen to this, verse 8. The wind, say the wind, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Anybody ever had that? We don't really know where, I mean, meteorologists may know, but like if the wind comes, we don't know where it's coming from. Neither do we know where it's going, but do you feel the impact? Do you, in a sense, see it? You see the evidence of it? You hear its sound, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So this thing of the Spirit is the wind. And when the Spirit of God was first poured out on the church at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it said that a rushing mighty wind, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, filled the room in which they were, and they were all filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. There's something of the wind of the Spirit, and I want to tell you right now. Can I ask you to stand up even right now, just in response? That there is a constant, as much as there is a constant wind blowing over the face of this earth. Most recently even brought a, a, a uh, meteorological system, a polar vortex into our city and into this region. Remember that? There is constant shifting in motion of wind in the earth, and in the exact same way, there is constant motion of the wind of the Holy Spirit, always. And that we, through the spiritual connection that we have, we can simply lean into that wind. And we begin just like that wind. You don't know where it comes from, where it goes. People see our lives led by the Spirit, and they, and they see almost like a leaf blown in the wind. You don't see the, see the wind, but you do see the leaf. You don't see the Spirit, but you do see us. To lean into the blowing of the Holy Spirit just to allow him, some, some of you, he wants to begin to speak to you right now. He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you things as you just stop gripping onto the ground and securing yourself, but just open yourself up to the wind of the Spirit of God.